In your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. While you're turning, I want to tell everybody that's here tonight that... Tell everybody that's here tonight that I appreciate my wife. She's not able to be here tonight. She's taking care of a sick baby. And... uh We want that little sick baby and her to be feeling better. And if I have not publicly announced this, I I don't know if I have, but my wife is pregnant. So we're having another baby. I just thought that everybody should know that. We were talking about it the other day, and Xavier came and looked at me like a deer in the headlights. What do you mean? What? what?" I was like, yeah, don't you know? Don't you talk? Aren't you in the gossip circle? Apparently not. Good job. So anyway, she's pregnant and she's home taking care of the sick little one. We got another one, I think, due in December. Due in December, we think. We're not sure. We think. (laughs) We'll find out later when we go to the doctor. Amen? Amen. So good to see my mom, my stepdad here, and and Travis, my my, uh, brother, and Ginger's wife, and all the people from ABC. So good to see you here. So you got like... All you left in my family state, I'd still have enough to preach to tonight. <laughs> well, that's good. So good. I love this church. How many of you just love McCormick's Church? So good. Love to be able to come into the house of the Lord and feel his presence and be with him. And if you will let me tonight, I'm going to preach to you what God's told me, what he's downloaded, if that's okay with you. We there at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Brother Krause, I thought you were going to steal my whole message there for a second, but you stopped short. Thank you. Just my scripture, which means he's flowing in the Holy Ghost, and I know I'm, I'm all right. All right? So Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, and it says this, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with, in, with wings like eagles. They shall run... And not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And and with the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, I'm going to preach to you on this topic. I must walk. In Jesus' name, let's ask God to be with us. God, we love you and thank you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that I can be an oracle tonight, God. Help me to do a good job, Jesus. want to be able to minister to your people tonight, God. I pray, Lord, everybody receives with an open heart, Jesus. We love you. We want you to be here with us tonight in Jesus' name. Can we just lift our hands and just shout? Can we just clap them to God? Can we just, one more time, can we just thank Him for the mighty, miraculous, wonderful power that He brings into our lives? God, I thank you for being God. I thank you for everything that you have done and that you do. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. So the scripture in Isaiah is very unique in its, in its uh, texture because it doesn't talk about, uh, about walking and then, it doesn't talk about walking and then running and then flying. But it's in a backwards order in the scripture. And I'm kind of glad it's like this. And it says they're going to, they're, they're going to mount up with wings like eagles and they, and, and they're going to fly. They're, they're going to run. And they're not going to be weary, and they're going to walk, and they're not going to faint. Now, it is imperative for us today to realize that above all else, that there is one fundamental element in which God is looking for. 
He isn't just looking for people who know how to fly or people who know how to run. But he is looking for people that know how to walk with him. It is important that we understand that the context of this scripture is written backwards for a reason. Because the things of God are always different than the things of man. When you are born, you will learn to crawl, then to walk, then to run. However, in the spirit realm, when you are born of the Holy Ghost, you start out flying. You start out soaring above everything. You don't think anything can touch you. And then you slow down and you're running. But there's a day that God's looking for. And he says, can you make it to the walk? Because everything is wonderful when you're flying. And everything is great when you're running. But can you walk with me? I'm telling you tonight, he's looking for something different. He's not looking for somebody that knows how to hype up on Sunday night church. He's not looking for somebody that knows how just to run around, to worship, and to dance. He's looking for an individual that knows how to walk with him day in and day out. The other night, it was Tuesday night, we were at a prayer meeting. I was with Brother Moore in the teen house, us and a few young people. And I sat down, or I didn't sit down, I knelt down like you should when you pray and you go before a king. Knelt down on my face and I began to pray to God. And I, I promise you, this is what he said, Brother Davis. It may sound corny to you, but it made me smile. He said, hello, I'm happy to see you. He's never said anything like that to me. I've never been in his presence. And he said, hello, I'm happy to see you. Made me smile. Well, I won't say what I mean. It made me smile. And I felt so awesome that when I got down, that God acknowledged and said that he was happy that I was in his presence. And I tell you, God's looking for somebody to walk with him. There's something about walking with God that is more important than any other aspect related to our relationship with Him. That is why we must determine in our spirit that no matter the cost, no matter how great the price, no matter how bad my situation gets, I must walk. I cannot afford in any way, shape, or fashion to stop. I can't afford to turn around. I can't afford to get my mind off of the things I need to. I must walk. Come on, somebody. We've got to determine it in our spirit. We've got to determine it in our heart. Sometimes the situation looks horrible. And sometimes we don't understand why it's happening. But we've got to say it don't matter because I know Jesus is able. I know Jesus can provide. I know Jesus can take care of my situation. So I will walk and I will not stop. I may not be flying. I may not be running, but I'm going to walk. Hallelujah. Genesis 6, chapter 7 through 9. You go there. It says, And the Lord said, I will destroy man who I, I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. 
But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Do you want to know what made Noah perfect? He knew how to walk. (laughs) I hope you're with me tonight. When God looked down on humanity and saw that all all was evil, His judgment came into being. He looked down and He could not find anything that pleased Him. He did not find that, but He saw evil. And so His judgment all of a sudden took a hold of Him. He said, I repent that I've ever made man. However, He was able to find one man who grace could be bestowed upon. This man wasn't... The best dressed guy, I guarantee you. He wasn't even the smartest man in the world. He may not have had the right degree or even known how to live a perfect life before God, but there is one thing that separated him from everyone else, Brother Davis. There was one thing that did make him the smartest man, and that was that when God could look down, he could say, Hey, Noah's been walking with me. Everybody else is living after their own heart. They're living after their own feelings. But Noah is walking with me. The one thing that Noah knew how to do was walk with God. He understood that regardless of all other things in in his life, that there is one who needs to have my attention and my time. I'm telling you tonight that it doesn't matter how smart you are, how well you preach, how great you sing. It doesn't matter if you're the best musician. It doesn't matter if you're the greatest expert in your field of expertise. There is one thing and one thing that God is looking for today. He's looking for the people who are willing to say and to determine in their mind that I must walk. Luke 18.8 says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. 2 Corinthians 5.7 For we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to tell you tonight that judgment is going to happen. Judgment will come. You cannot stop it, and I cannot stop it. There will be a day when this dispensation ends, and yet another judgment will happen. Adam and Eve were judged in the garden. The generation of Noah was judged with the flood. The generation that built the Tower of Babel was judged. Abraham's generation were judged in Egypt. The Israelites who escaped from Egypt were judged by being driven out of their homeland that God had given them by the Babylonians. Judgment is inevitable. It's going to happen. After every dispensation, if you don't know what a dispensation is, it's simply a period of time where God deals with man and it ends in judgment. It always ends in judgment. God reaches and He longs to the hearts of men and women in that specific dispensation. He's looking for them to come and to reach out to Him. But there's a point where His judgment will take over. And judgment will happen. It's inevitable. We now live in the sixth dispensation and there will be a day when judgment comes upon us and when Jesus splits that eastern sky and looks down... And this is what he's going to be looking for. 
who has faith. And you can only possess faith if you walk by it. You might walk into the church and lift your hands. You might walk to one of the, to the, one of the instruments and play. You might walk up and get in a microphone and sing or get in a microphone and preach. You may teach a Sunday school and walk. But there's only one walk that he's looking for. He's not looking for a walk after people that are looking after what's going on in the problem situation. He's looking for a walk that's by faith. He's looking for faith. He's going to look for those who, regardless of the situation or obstacle, have continued to try to walk with him. It may not be the prettiest walk, but I'm walking with him. may not be the fastest walk, but I'm walking with him. May, it may be that I haven't ran in a while, but I'm walking with him. Or it may be that I haven't flown in a real long time, but I'm walking with him. <laughs> I'm going to determine in my spirit tonight that I must walk. I must walk. <laughs> People will see you walk. They will see how and if you walk with Jesus. A few weeks ago, I was outside playing basketball with one of my neighbor's boys. We were out playing, and, and like we do all the time, his name's Daniel, he's about 13, 14 years old. I go out and we shoot, shoot basketball. He's going to be better than me about two more years. He's not there yet, but he's getting there. We got out there, and he shot a shot, and it came off the came off the rim and went over both of us, and I turned around, and I took a step with my left foot, and my left foot went that way, and the rest of me stayed here. I didn't do the splits, thank the Lord, but my ankle went the wrong way, and it twisted, and it, and it, it was like a searing pain in my ankle. It was like it was on fire. And, and I laid there on the ground thinking to myself, Will I be able to get up and walk? After what I thought was an eternity went by and all the neighborhood friends were out there and half my household, Tony was over there. He was over there with me and staring at me. You okay? Sure. Just laying here hurting. I'm fine. I like laying on the pavement outside. It's one of my favorite things. You know? The gravel and the rocks in my back feel great. It's almost like needle therapy or something, you know. It's wonderful. I'm, I'm doing fine. Hey, okay, don't you worry about me. They all stared at me. I was finally able to get up and I would walk to the house. However, when I walked, it wasn't the same as my normal walk. I can walk normally. I know how to walk normally. But when I walked into that house, Brother Davis... grab a hold of something and people could see the difference in my walk well let it sink in when you get out into the world and you start playing games with the devil you start playing games with the enemy there's going to be a point in time where you fall you're going to lay down on that ground and you're going to wonder to yourself can I get up and walk? And when you do, people 
are going to be able to see the difference in your walk. I didn't say they were going to judge you because you walk different. I didn't say they were going to condemn you because you walk different. But they're going to be able to see the difference in the way that you walk. We must be diligent in keeping God close to us because without his help, it would be impossible to overcome the injuries that the world gives us. God is the one who supports us. And when we cannot walk on our own, he takes our arm, puts it over his shoulder, and becomes the strength in our weakness. But you have to have the will to walk and to the determination to keep moving forward so that your walk with him is not detoured. See, the thing about it is, is he'll help you off the ground, but he's not going to pick you fully up. You've got you to have some willpower in you. You've got to have some determination to say, well, I may have fallen down. I may be in a bad situation. I may have messed up. But there is nothing that's going to get in the way of my walk. And if I have to hobble towards Jesus, then I'll hobble towards Jesus. Because I'm not going to stop walking no matter what the enemy throws at me. I'm not going to give up. Oh, Jesus. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 10 says, And they heard the voice of the Lord. This is Adam and Eve. They heard the, heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. In the very beginning, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. God himself would manifest himself to his creation simply to walk with them. He believed and was trying to develop a relationship with them through the act of walking. You cannot just come into church on a Sunday to Wednesday basis and think that somehow you are walking with God. If the highlight of your week is church, and well, it should be the highlight of your week, but what I'm saying is that's the only time you're in contact with God. That's the only time you can feel His presence. Then can I tell you that your walk needs to be a little faster. Your walk needs to be a little more because in Scripture it says that He wants to give you daily bread. Not weekly bread, not bi-weekly bread, but every day God wants to walk with you. I imagine... If he could manifest himself to me, he would do it about 6 or 7 o'clock at night. We would sit on my front porch, we'd drink a cup of coffee, and then we would walk down the lane and back. Because I just think that's how he would do it. There would be time if he would do it. I would make time for him. There's going to be a day, people, when you get to heaven. You're going to be sitting up on your mansion. You're going to be sitting out on the front porch, and I guarantee you there's going to be coffee. I guarantee you, there's going to be coffee. There's going to be a whole feast in heaven. He's got coffee down, okay? He made it. He understands, okay? It, there's going to be a Coke right next to it. <laughs> did, that for, did that for my father-in-law. 
He said he'll never be a preacher because he just drinks Pepsi, not Coke. (laughs) There's going to be a day in heaven and you're going to get to experience these things. You're going to make time for God. Why not now? Why not have some time set aside where you can just walk with God? Every day, this is my time. Remember a story, someone's told it here before, but I remember a story of a man who who prayed every day at 2 o'clock. On the dot, he would pray at 2 o'clock. It was without fail. Every day at 2 p.m., he would go before the Lord. And there was a time in his life when he was um, in a, had a medical condition, which he was put in the hospital, and he was unable to pray. He, he was unconscious. So there was a man that was in that room. He said, and every day at 2 o'clock, the Holy Ghost would enter that room, and the presence of God would fill the air because he had established a walk. He had established a relationship. And when he wasn't able, God was. You are not judged by how well you run. You are not judged by how well you fly. But you are going to be judged by how, how well you walk. You look at Adam and Eve, if you don't believe me, all they did was walk with God. In the, in the garden there, they were hiding from God because they walked incorrectly. They knew that they should not have been anywhere near that tree. In fact, if I were them, I would have set up some boundaries in my life because I wouldn't want to even be tempted by that tree. If I'm not by the tree, then I cannot eat of the tree. <laughs> Likewise, you ought to set some boundaries up in your own life that says, I won't go there, I won't do those things, I won't get into that situation because it will mess with the way I walk. (laughs) Boundaries in your life are not to keep you in. They are to keep sin out. There There are some sins where Scripture says that you can resist the devil and he shall flee from you. There are some sins that are like that, but there are other sins that Scripture speaks of. And the Scripture says, flee from it. Because there are some things that if you're in that situation, you're going to do it. So don't ever put yourself in that situation. Because your willpower on your own isn't good enough. And Adam and Eve, they should have built a fence around that tree. They should, have, they should have built a brick wall. They should have made it impossible to get to that tree. If they would have just walked with God and not walked into a sinful situation, if they would have walked with God and not walked outside the boundaries of where they were supposed to be, God had clearly laid out, this tree and this tree you shall not eat of. Everything else you can have. But their walk got off course. Tonight we have to realize we must walk with God. The word walk is mentioned 390 times in Scripture. That's how important it is to God. You don't believe me? Think, listen to this. Abraham walked with God and God appeared unto him. Enoch walked with God and was not. That's all there is about Enoch. He's one of the only men in the Bible who just went to heaven. Him and Elijah... Moses died. We're not sure, though, if he really went or not. We know he appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration for all you theologians out there trying to figure out if I'm actually correct, Colton. All right? I'm just kidding with you. 
But here's the deal. How many words is that? Enoch walked with God and was not. Seven words. The Bible. You want to go to heaven? Walk with God. That's it. Walk with God. Done. It doesn't matter how hard or how bad it gets. Walk with God. The Israelites walked in the wilderness for 40 years, and most of the ones who started the walk died in the wilderness because they never learned how to walk by faith. Moses walked up a mountain and met God. David walked up to Goliath in the name of the Lord. The apostles walked with Jesus, and Jesus walked up a hill called Calvary to die for your sins and for mine. But it took him carrying a cross and walking, putting one step in front of the other and carrying that cross. And I guarantee you these words were going through his mind. I must walk because of Jim Gillespie. I must walk because of Anthony Krauss. I must walk because of Adam Hill. I must walk because of Kim Evans. Because there's going to be a day when the blood that I shed on Calvary is going to need to be put in their hearts. They're going to need me. I must walk. My God, if some of us would get that in our spirits and say, there's going to be this person or that person, they're going to need me one day, so I can't mess up my walk. i got to keep walking. i got to keep going. i got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. It don't matter how I feel. It don't matter what situation I'm in. I must walk. Come on, can we clap our hands to Jesus just for a minute? Can we lift our voices to God? Can we make up in our mind and in our heart that we are going to walk after Jesus? I acknowledge the saints, the men and women that have been here for 20 and 30 and 40 years. Thank you for walking with God. Thank you for not giving up on God. Thank you, thank you for showing men and women, that generations that are under you, that there is a way to live for God, to keep going. i share a story with you. The music can come. The little country schoolhouse was heated by an old-fashioned pot-belly coal stove. And an eight-year-old boy named Glenn Cunningham had the job of coming to school early each day so that he could use kerosene to start the fire and warm the room before his teacher and his classmates arrived. One cold morning, someone mistakenly filled the kerosene container he used with gasoline, and disaster struck. The class and teacher arrived to find the schoolhouse engulfed in flames, terrified on realizing that Glenn was inside. They rushed in and managed to drag the unconscious little boy out of the flaming building, more dead than alive. He had major burns over the lower half of his body and was taken to a nearby county hospital. From his bed, the dreadful burned, semi-conscious little boy faintly heard the doctor talking to his mother. The doctor told his mother that her son would surely die, which was for the best, really, for the terrible fire had devastated the lower half of his body. But the brave boy didn't want to die, and Glenn made up in his mind the power of a choice. He made up in his mind that he would survive. Somehow, to the amazement of the physician, he did survive. Yet, when the mortal danger was past, he again heard the doctor and his mother speaking quietly. 
The mother was told that since the fire destroyed so much flesh in the lower part of his body, it would almost be better if he had died. Since he was doomed to be a lifetime cripple with no use at all of his lower limbs. His mother refused to let the doctors amputate. And once more, this brave little boy made up his mind. He would not be a cripple. He would walk. But unfortunately, from the waist down, Glenn had no motor ability. His thin, scarred legs just dangled there, all but lifeless. Ultimately, Glenn was released from the hospital. And every day afterward, his mother and father would massage his little legs. But there was no feeling, no control, nothing. And his determination that he would walk was as strong as ever. He didn't look at the fact that he couldn't walk. He looked at the possibility that he could. He made a determination. When he wasn't in bed, he was confined to a wheelchair. One sunny day, his mother wheeled him out into the yard to get some fresh air. This day, instead of sitting there, he threw himself from the chair. And Glenn began to pull himself across the grass, dragging his legs behind him. He worked his way to the white picket fence bordering their lot. And with great effort, he raised himself up on that fence. And then stake by stake, he began dragging himself along the fence, resolved that he would walk. He started to do this every day until he wore a smooth path all around the yard beside the fence. There was nothing he wanted more than to develop life in those legs. Ultimately, through his daily massages, Glenn's iron persistence and his resolute determination, he did develop the ability first to stand up and then to walk haltingly with help. Then to walk by himself and then miraculously to run. Glenn began to run to school. He ran for the sheer joy of running and being able to run. He ran everywhere that he could. The people in his town would often see him run by on his way to who knows where, and they'd smile. Later in college, Glenn made the track team where his tremendous determination paid off, and he eventually received the nickname the Kansas Flyer. In February of 1934, in New York City's famed Madison Square Garden, this young man who was not expected to survive, who would surely never walk, who could never hope to run, this determined young man, Dr. Glenn Cunningham, ran the mile in four minutes and eight seconds. The world's fastest indoor mile. Later that same year, in a prestigious outdoor track meet, he shaved another second off of his record to run the world's fastest mile to that time. If you could stand with me. Revelations chapter 3 verse 4 says, Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Tonight, I'm praying that something gets in your spirit, a determination in your heart, that you're going to walk for God no matter what, that you will say, I must walk. I want you to remind yourself the next time something really bad comes your way, I must walk. 
Scripture says I must walk worthy of my vocation. I must walk to show that I am worthy of heaven. You are judged by your walk. We think, well, I haven't, I haven't prayed for anybody and they've not, they've not been healed. I've never seen anybody receive the Holy Ghost. God doesn't judge you by that. Well, I've never been in great intercession. God doesn't judge you by that. There's one thing and one thing alone that God's looking for tonight. Who's willing to walk? Who's willing to walk? I'm asking right now if there's some people in here with every hand raised, every eye closed in this place. I wonder if there's some people that will make a determination up in their mind that they will walk. I'm wondering if there's somebody who will walk up to this altar. Say, God, from this day on, no matter what, I must walk. I'm asking right now, every eye closed, every hand raised. Right now, is there somebody that feels it in their spirits? You need to put it in your heart. You need this. You need this spirit on you. (laughs) We have the opportunity to walk with God today. How much more determination should we have to walk. If you want to determine it in your heart and your spirit tonight, you can do it. You can make that decision that I'm going to walk no matter how hard it gets. No matter what sin comes my way. I'm going to set some boundaries up and I'm going to walk towards heaven. I'm going to walk towards heaven. Right now, Jesus, God, I pray right now that determination, Lord, be made up in young men, young women, Jesus, in their minds. God, in those who are newly born in you, Jesus, I pray right now by your power and by your word and by your authority, God, that you will somehow put it in their spirit, God, that they will not give up. They will fight. They will walk. Jesus, right now, let your work be done in the hearts of everyone. If you're not praying, I want you to find somebody to pray with. Help them and encourage them in their walk. In Jesus' name.